welcome to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, we're going to check in with our friend Doug Brown, Blue Bomber radio analyst, Hall of Famer, to talk about that impressive Labor Day Classic win. Look ahead to the Banjo Bowl, talk a bit of NFL as well. That's all coming up on the podcast. We welcome in Doug Brown, our radio analyst for Blue Bomber Games. Doug, how impressed were you as a man of defense yourself? How impressed were you with the Bombers' front on Sunday afternoon in Regina? Yeah, you know, that was uh, that was quite the show they put on uh, in a very difficult environment to do it in. But um, what was peculiar and interesting about uh, their approach to it was they actually dressed nine defensive linemen for that game. Now, one of them got hurt early on special teams, but – they effectively had an eight-man defensive line rotation in uh, in the Labor Day Classic, and uh, it they were rolling guys in and out, and and they have such uh, a quantity of pass rushers. I, I think the uh, the barrage on uh, on Cody Fajardo was just unrelenting, and, and it just uh, you know they were able to even uh, even um, you know. Uh, looking past the the three interceptions that he threw, if you totaled up the the hits he took and the hurries and him scrambling out of the pocket, you know, let alone uh, you know a couple sacks, it uh, they did a lot of damage on him. At one point, we were up there in the booth wondering if Cody was going to be able to finish the game just from the beating he was taking from from that uh, eight man pressure unit. And there was a moment where we thought, oh my gosh, he's hurt, and then it turned out to just be a stinger, but. The situation there was one going into the game where talking to people from Regina, they were worried about the offensive line. And boy, did that bear out on Sunday afternoon. So looking ahead to the the Banjo Bowl now, what can the Riders do if they just simply are, I mean, if the Riders have a worse O-line than the Bombers have a front four, what can they do? Yeah, I mean, I think it starts, if I was Saskatchewan, you know, a lot of guys can be better run blockers than they are pass blockers, right? There's two dimensions to that offensive line. So, if I was Saskatchewan, uh, I would try to run the ball a heck of a lot more than I did in the Labor Day Classic against these guys. Not necessarily are they going to get more success, but I think it would uh, make the world go around and help things immensely if there was a run threat for Saskatchewan because uh, – these guys are just teeing off. I think we saw the consequences of such. I'm not sure Cody Fajardo could have survived another game with the Blue Bomber uh, front eight teeing off like this or those eight men in rotation they had. Uh, it was pretty devastating. So, yeah, I would do everything in their power to try and establish you know, a ground game and be multidimensional, get that play action going to give, uh, give their pocket passer, Cody Fajardo, a little bit of a break. A lot gets made of the whole playing the same team back-to-back weeks. The Bombers always do it against the Riders, but for uh, years that was kind of like maybe the only one or maybe they'd have another one. They got four this year. As a player, when you're playing the same team a second week in a row, does does the familiarity mean anything? Yeah, it does because um, there's always uh, trial and error and experimentation when it comes, you know, especially on the on the defensive line what moves you're going to be looking on film, seeing what was working, what wasn't working, what are his cues going against you, you know, what reads did you make that were right or incorrect. You can make adjustments. Now, 
naturally, of course, the offensive lineman you went again is also watching the same tape and, <laughs> and seeing, you know, what worked, uh, what he was able to do to you and what did and didn't work and so on and so forth. So it's quite the chess match it becomes. But it's always usually, I mean, it's, it's hard to win two games in succession like that largely because the team that lost has such a negative environment the following week. And the, and the team that won is like, yeah, that went pretty well. We'll just do some more of that. And uh, the team that lost has to go back to the drawing board and come up with some new schemes and new approaches. However, in certain cases, you know, one team just outclasses the other team and it, it won't really matter, you know, who's mad in the, in the prep week and, and who's kicking back and feeling good about themselves. So, Hopefully that's the case with the, the Winnipeg Blue Bomber just uh, being able to outclass Saskatchewan again, regardless of the initial result. Because the Labor Day Classic, that was supposed to be the hard part. So the Banjo Bowl is supposed to be uh, much more favorable terms and conditions for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers this time around. Now, the origin story of Banjo Bowl, the name of it's been well told at this point. Troy Westwood had a quote and it went wild. When you were there when that quote, I guess, first came out, did you have any kind of reaction to that? You know, I, I don't think, looking back, you know, I, I knew there was a scrum around Troy, and obviously I heard what he said. I didn't really understand the consequence till I think we were going down there, and and or maybe was it right before warm-up, we were about to go out in the field, and Troy's like, looked at me, and he looked a little shaken or pale, and I was like, what's going on? He's like, I'm getting like death threats about this. So <laughs> I was like, whoa, this really struck a chord uh, with a percentage of the of the province because I certainly remember uh, he was a little rattled, I think, uh, when we had to go down there uh, for the first time and uh, after those comments. And uh, yeah, he was, he was certainly a little shaken. I don't know if you admit that or not, but I've, I'm pretty positive. I remember incorrectly when... Uh, he was a little bit concerned about uh, what would happen once he stepped out onto the football field. So we all, we gave him a wide berth, you know, just in case. And it all turned out okay. He's still, he's still here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he made it through. So, But, yeah, there was, uh, you know, you hear stuff that's said all the time, and, and obviously that was a zinger. You just did not know uh, the kind of reaction that was going to culminate from that. And then David Asper shows up and is like, hey, Let's make this a game. So it uh, worked out for everybody. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's just uh, talk a little bit about the NFL while I got you on because the season starts tomorrow. I feel like it what a game, snuck huh? up and it's the Cowboys and the Bucks. I don't know Tampa. if it's quite an amazing game. Tampa Bay is going to be great. I don't know if the Cowboys will be any good. But it, are you just still bewildered that Tom Brady continues to be great? Well, it's, just a, it's a big, it's a big headline game, right? Dallas, yeah. the Dallas Cowboys, regardless of how much they disappoint every season, huge name in the National Football League, America's team, obviously. And then Tampa, you know, you're coming off a, a Super Bowl victory. Uh, you know, are they uh, still going to be patting themselves on the back? They're still going to be feeling feeling good about what they accomplished in the in that Super Bowl. So it could be interesting. Plus, you have Dak Prescott returning. Uh, off a very serious injury, and, and he's going to want to show that, that he's in, in prime form. So Dallas is capable of uh, convincing us that they're a good team once or twice early in the year. So it's possible they even look competitive tomorrow, but we'll see. I think the thing that scares me about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, if I'm any other team, is that 
They won the Super Bowl last year, and they really only figured it out late in the season. Yeah. <laughs> they were there were a lot of bumps in the road for them, and they basically brought everyone back, kind of yeah. like the Blue Bombers in 2019, where they figured it out late. They went on a run, and they brought everyone back. The Bucks. I mean, there isn't really a super team in the NFC. The Bucks could be able to be a juggernaut this year. Yeah, all the reports I've been reading about them in the preseason, it's like, yeah, the continuity Tom Brady has with our offensive receivers is miles ahead of where they were last year. Last year, they did enough to win the Super Bowl. So, uh, I don't know. Maybe they'll just make it uh, make it easier for themselves getting the, you know, the top seed in the in the NFC and being able to to sit out a few uh a few weeks and just play home games or something like that but pretty scary to think that the Super Bowl champion um was just getting used to the kind of weapons and the kind of system and the kind of players that he was surrounded by right so it it should be real interesting to watch them play this year and when is father time going to show up and claim It's got to happen eventually right He's got to come to some game sooner or later, right? So, <laughs> you got to think, but maybe it never will. What do you think of the fact that they're they've extended the season? They're playing seventeen games 17. now. Yeah, you know what? I, I was asking around this day. I couldn't remember. Did they play three preseason or four preseason games this year? Three. They did. Okay, so they kept it at twenty, right? That's definitely how they accomplished yeah. that with the National Football League Players Association. As they said, hey guys. We're just going to play 20 games, then you're going to you're going to make more money. Well, actually, they're not going to make more money because their game check has to be split uh, 17 ways instead of 16 before. But um, one less preseason game and and one more regular season game. So it's uh, you know that's a way to try and smooth it over the players just by saying, hey, 20 is 20. But obviously, a regular season game is a lot more impacting uh, to your starters and to your best players than uh, an additional preseason game where they may or may not even play. So. It'll be interesting. Uh, obviously, you know, I spent 11 years in the CFL doing 18 of those uh, for a regular season, plus two in the preseason, and then uh, who knows how many in the in the postseason. So uh, it'll be interesting. I'm sure there'll be some complaining and such, but, uh, you know, nothing like what the Edmonton Elks are going through with uh, three games in seven days, I believe. That is the most absurd thing I've ever heard. All Any NFL team that complains, just uh, tell them what the Edmonton Elks are going through. But what I guess what other option was there for the Elks? Just forfeit that game? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess I don't know. Well, in the long run, with a, a number of players and high caliber starters, they might lose from having three games in a week. It might turn out that that was the best option in front of them to forfeit. Yeah, well, we'll see how the playoffs wind <laughs> up looking because that those could be huge games right at the end of the season. And the Elks right now look like maybe the third best teams who knows second best team in the the west right now it's tough to say after winnipeg and saskatchewan and calgary is just like i, I don't even believe it's real right now one so and four i won't uh I, I still am gonna hold on uh i won't believe it until i see it at the end of the regular season but it's uh it's pretty bizarre right now for the perennial western division uh uh, contenders to be uh, doing so poorly so far. Got to ask you before I let you go. Your daughter's first day of preschool was yesterday. You posted it on Twitter. How was that for yeah. you? <laughs> it was an emotional day. It was also her third birthday, all in once. So uh, today she asked me. She said, "Dada, am I an adult now?" And I said, "You know, you'll never be an adult in my mind." So that's what I told her. That was my answer. I think that was the right thing to say. 
And what did she say to that? <laughs> oh, she just agreed with me. She's three, so she doesn't know any better. So that's it. <laughs> uh, uh, all right, that's awesome, Doug. Well, appreciate your time as always. Thanks for this, and uh, we'll see you at the game on Saturday. No problem, my friend. We'll see you there. Thanks for having me on. Well, thank you very much for listening to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. If you like what you heard, guess what? You can hear more every weeknight on CJOB from 6.30 to 9 p.m. Of course, that is when the Jets are not playing because if the Jets are playing, then I don't have a show, but I'll be part of the pre- and post-game coverage. Anyway, thanks again for tuning in. Subscribe if you'd like. We're available on iTunes and other places I'd imagine. So farewell until we meet again. So long and thanks for all the fish. So sad that it should come to this. We try to warn you all the